Well, we're, uh, we're uh, as uh, Diane mentioned, we're going to start uh, a series on the church. And uh, this morning we're going to kind of try and define that. We're going to talk about what, what is church. And since February, we've had experiences that we thought we would never have, never anticipated, maybe never dreamed of. And that's not only on a personal level, on a business or economic level, but even on the level of the church. Uh, we've had to uh, make some major adjustments. Uh, so we want to we wanna talk about what does it mean to be the church and try to define that. And we're, I'm going to do that this morning by talking about what it isn't, then talk about what it is, and then spend a little bit of time talking about purpose. Uh, what's our purpose? So... Uh, I asked some questions, some of you saw those questions on Facebook, um, and I got a bunch of responses, and I'm going to share some of those responses. I highlighted and pulled out certain words. I'm not going to read all of these responses, certainly won't identify people, um, but kind of took out some themes. So the first question was, why do you go to church? And some of the responses I got were for encouragement, for fellowship, to worship together, to connect, and because it's mandated by God. Uh, the second question was, we've gone through almost four months where we've been unable to gather. What have you missed? What did you miss? And the responses were connecting with others, uh, corporate singing and listening, uh, participating together, fellowship, personal interaction, so that, that togetherness, that sense of being together. Uh, the third one, the third question, Livestream has provided some components of church. Uh, what part of church are you missing that we had prior to COVID? And here are the responses, singing together. Seeing the rest of the family. See, this is a family. We're a family. Participating together, corporate worship, family gatherings, nurturing discipleship, communion and worship. So there's, there's kind of a theme here about corporateness, about being together, about being a family. And then the fourth question was, if there was something, if there's something pulling you back to the building or the Sunday gathering, what is it? In other words, if there's something that, that you feel you, you're missing that pulls you back to that Sunday morning gathering, what is it? And there are the answers, again, were fellowship of worshiping together in prayer, compassion, fellowship, seeing others again, sharing lives, walking together for our Lord. Well, those were EFC responses, okay? And I think the theme is pretty clear. Uh, some random, random responses from non-EMCers, and Diane did this for me. She asked, uh, she's kind of in that world. She asked, uh, I don't know if mechanics or shop uh, owners or whatever, but in her sphere of contacts. And here are some interesting responses that she got. When asked, you know, do you go to church, why or why not, some said, well, they didn't have it modeled, and so they don't go to church. Others said that they attend church because they had it modeled. In other words, my parents brought me to church when I was still a baby, and it was modeled for me, and I just continued. Uh, one said, his words, not mine, one said, church is BS. It doesn't live up to what it espouses to believe. I, I share that because that's a challenge. That's a challenge to us to actually be what we say. Okay, and, and no point in getting offended. Um, it, it's 
it's, it's a challenge about are we being authentic, are we being what we purport to be. And then, of course, there was uh, one also that said that uh, they didn't go very often because they don't need the social interaction. In other words, I'm, I'm more of a, I, I like being alone. I don't, I, don't, I don't need people. So there you have it. Those are a wide range of responses. That could have pooled a lot more people and gotten more ideas. So talking about the church, some definitions. What the church is not. Well, first of all, it's, it's not a building. It's not a building. It, it, it's not an organization or a club or a denomination. And, and it's not a requirement for salvation. We often say that we're going to church. Or we ask someone, what church do you attend? In reference to the building. And, and yet, I, I want to underline that church is not a place, it's not a building, it's not a location, it's not a program, it's not a club, and it's not a denomination. It's not a religious tradition, a theological position, nor a collection of the perfect. I wouldn't have been invited if it was a collection of the perfect. Okay? It, it isn't that. So what is church? What is church? Well, there's two words in, in the Greek and in the, in the New Testament that refer to church. One is ekklesia, which is a combination of a preposition ek or out of, and kaleo, which means to call. So it's often been referred as, to as the called out ones. The other word is kyriakos. Uh, and a good definition would be a group that meets regularly under organized leadership and lives out God's purposes for them. So a group that meets regularly under organized leadership to live out God's purposes for them. So there's the point of meeting, doing it regularly, doing it with some leadership, but then also focusing on living out God's purposes for them. Another definition would be a gathering of those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and who are committed to meeting regularly for worship, teaching, fellowship, and prayer, and who help make disciples of all people. So the church is the people itself. You are the church. It's not a building. Although, yes, in Manitoba, with our harsh winters and all of that, we do need, we do need a building. We need a place that we can meet in. Uh, I've been in warm climates where it's warm all year round, and, and there you need something for shade. Um, but you don't necessarily need a closed-in, insulated structure. So the church is a people and not a building. God's people who are in Christ are the church. You can actually attend a church or a church service without being part of the church. Yeah, you can attend without necessarily being part of the church. So the ecclesia, or the called out ones, are those who are separated for God. It's a, it's a company, an assembly, and it's probably the basis for our word congregation. So we are a congregation. And this word actually appears 109 times in the New Testament, or in 109 different verses. I think it's 114 times in 109 verses. So the concept, at least, is very prominent in, in the New Testament. So the New Testament church is a body of believers that have been called out from the world by God to live as his people under the authority of Christ. And you have that verse that says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, Ephesians 1.22. So we're the church. We belong to the Lord. Now what's this about universal church and local church? Well, all believers are part of the universal church. All believers everywhere are part of the universal church. But you can't just say, I'm part of the universal church, but I want to have nothing to do with the local church. Um, that's like saying, I'd like to get married, but I really don't want to live with my spouse. Uh, you, you, uh, that, that would probably raise some eyebrows. It's important also for us to be part of a local expression of the church. The local church is a local assembly of believers. It's a congregation that meets physically for prayer, worship, fellowship, teaching, and encouragement in the faith. It's at the local level that we're able to live in relationship with other believers. We're able to break bread together or have communion. We're able to pray for each other. We're able to teach. We're able to make disciples, encourage each other, etc. Well, Gerald read this passage, Acts chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 41 and on. And uh, although I don't want to go through the passage uh, carefully uh, this morning, uh, I want to point out to you a number of things uh, in this passage uh, that I've highlighted um, in the text. The, the believers gather together uh, for teaching, for fellowship, for breaking of bread, for prayer. And uh, there are some times that we want to go back and to the you know, first century church, we want to go back to that. Uh, and actually, that's not the point. Uh, the point isn't that uh, we go back. We need to rescue the parts that are important for us and apply them in our own way in the 21st century. Uh, Acts actually has aspects that are descriptive. They describe how things happen, and then there are things that are prescriptive. In other words, what should happen. And you and I have to sort out the difference between those two. I'll give you an example. Uh, the text here says that they had all things in common. And if you read the text and you jump right away to the literal and you stay there, then you'll probably miss something that the text is trying to teach us. This is not a, a call to communism or socialism. Rather, we should see it as a common cause or a common concern, resulting in tangible community and caregiving. And I'm going to give you an example. I don't remember how many years ago it was, but there was a point where here at EFC, it was decided that we needed to reshingle one of the huts. And I remember that Sunday morning, the trustees had put a sheet on the back wall on the bulletin board with uh, a bunch of numbers and spaces to write your name. And let's just say there were 40 numbers, and the idea was we need 40 bundles of shingle, shingles, and you can sign up to buy a bundle of shingles. And I remember uh, my son told me that he had been in the line after the service and he was going to just sign up for three or four bundles and he realized, he looked back and he realized there was a long line behind him. So he went and stroked off a couple of them and just left one because he realized that he, sh he should let others participate. That sheet filled up so quickly. Why? Because there was a sense of common purpose and cause. There was no question we wanted to do this and we wanted to do it together. That wasn't it. That Saturday that we came to reshingle that hut, 
we actually had to be careful that we didn't push each other off the roof. There were so many of us on there. And uh, Bonnie, who uh, is part of our church and runs a shingling roofing company, said that this was probably the fastest that a roof had been stripped and reshingled in her memory. What am I getting at? What I'm getting at is that we had this common cause and there was no question. We all did what we could. We participated to get it done. So let's not look at this passage and look at this having things in common and all of that as a call to communism or, or socialism. It's a call to, to recognize here's a common need, a common cause, and we're behind this and we're going to do this together. This wasn't forced, it wasn't legislated. In fact, later on, you see Paul writing uh, to the church at Corinth, and he talks about different churches in Asia Minor that were contributing to the need uh, of, of a famine in, in Judea. It's all voluntary. So, you have this common cause, and it brings me back to when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And, and it raises the question, what's, kind of, what's our common cause? What drives us? What motivates us? Because if we're on the same page and trying to achieve the same thing, then, then we're all pulling in the same direction. And then it's easy to get it done because we agree and we're in, in it together. Uh, Ernest Southcott has a, a quote that I wanted to quote to you. The holiest moment of the church service is the moment when God's people... Strengthened by preaching and sacrament, go out of the church door into the world to be the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. We are the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. So if our corporate gatherings are restricted, which they have been and continue to be, does that mean that we are no longer the church? Are we no longer able to be the church? Don't we have any clue of how to proceed? That's a good question. And, and I've said that actually this pandemic is both a pain, but it's also an opportunity. Because we've, we've depended for years, at least in North America, in North American evangelicalism, we've depended on buildings and programs. And both the building and the program have been sitting in the dumpster for a while. <laughs> and we've had to figure out what it means to be the church without those two crutches. So what's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of the church? I, in my mind, would reduce it to two things. There's an inward purpose. We gather. We gather to worship, but also to disciple and to, to grow in maturity. And I call that an inward focus. But that inward focus also has an outward focus. In other words, we gather to disciple and grow in maturity so that we can also be outward focused. And that is our scattering. That is our reaching out and loving our neighbor and winning others to Christ. So the inward focus has an outward focus to it. Now, our, uh, our most recent EFC vision statement that we've kind of come up with and uh, are working on says that we are to worship God, love our neighbor, make disciples, and grow young. Uh, you'll notice our banners. Many of you have seen them here before. Uh, the first one says, worship the Lord. 
And I think that everything else actually comes out of that. And some of you may not have noticed, but at one point, a, a number of months back, I went and changed the order of the banners. I wanted to see if anyone would notice. But to me, that one actually starts everything. Everything comes out of our worship. Because worship isn't only singing, it's also responding to God's call in my life. It's, it's all of that. So the church, both in the universal and in the local sense, is important because it is the primary vehicle through which God carries out his purposes in the world. Does God need you and me? Um, we could probably argue that he's omniscient and omnipotent and he doesn't need us, but he has chosen to use the church for his purposes. The church is the body of Christ. His heart, his mouth, his hands, his feet, reaching into the world. Just as 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you are part of it. So the supreme purpose of the church is to love and worship God through Jesus Christ and to make him known throughout the world. Love God, love neighbor. So, worship God, love neighbors, make disciples, grow young. Now you may find that to be a very interesting donut, uh, but this is kind of the way my mind works. You see, I've come to believe that discipleship isn't necessarily a class that you take and you take notes. As I reflect on my time at SBC, I, I would have to say that Mission X figured very prominently in the discipleship process. Because discipleship has to have a participatory hands-on component to it. It's not just taking notes, it's not just head. So in my mind, as we participate individually and corporately in loving our neighbors, as we do ministry, we are also being discipled and growing as disciples. Now I could, I could share with you a number of individuals from our church who have reached out to people that have needed someone to come alongside. I won't mention them this morning, but in conversations with them, they have said that they have grown tremendously through those experiences. And those experiences haven't always been easy, but there's been, as much as they've given out, they've also gained in terms of their own growth and maturity and discipleship. So I don't see those as separate, I see those as working together. We equip eternally, discipleship, inward focus, in order to minister externally, neighbors, loving neighbors, outward focus. So actively loving our neighbors, individually and as a church, is the context for developing and maturing as disciples. Let me say that again. Actively loving our neighbors, individually and as a church, is the context for developing and maturing as disciples. Now, I, I, I know a, a number of people in our church that are already being stretched tremendously in terms of this. But can you imagine what it might look like if we as a church, corporately, as, a, as an entire family, uh, if this became our ethos, our DNA, that we were reaching out, loving our neighbor, and growing and, and growing in maturity and being discipled in that process. Uh, sometimes you have, uh, you have work teams, uh, intergenerational. We went to Salvation Army uh, some time ago, and we had right from kids to, to seniors and everything in between. Those are great growing experiences, serving, and then also learning as you do that.
So discipleship happens best in the context of service and ministry and loving our neighbors, not necessarily just in the pew. Not just in the pew. It has to be participatory. And I would say that we don't want a truncated gospel. I'm not sure if you know what saloon doors look like. I don't know what else to call that, but there's two doors that flap back and forth. Um, sometimes we've thought of, of salvation as being this, this door getting into heaven, and then if you're really fanatical then you, and radical, then you can you know, be a disciple. I don't think that's the way Jesus contemplates it. It's actually both and. It's Lord and Savior, not just Savior. It's, it's both. And uh, so we, we want to be participatory. So what's our mission, our just cause, our motivation? What are we willing to sacrifice for because it is what God wants from us? Love our neighbor and thereby introduce him or her to Christ and the reality of life in the kingdom of God. So some closing questions for you to think about and mull over in your mind. And, and to me, um, to me, this is probably what weighs heaviest on my heart as the pastor here at EFC. And, and that is how do I motivate and support and challenge and encourage us as a church to, to, toward greater faithfulness in our outward focus in our discipleship that, that, that makes us God's hands and feet in our world, uh, whether that's close by or further away. Here are my, my closing questions, and, uh, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the uh, praise and worship uh, group to come up. Uh, they can do that. Why do you go to church? What's your reason? Why do you go to church? What are you hoping to gain? What are, you, what are you hoping to gain? Why, why do you go to church? What are you hoping to gain? Uh, what are you hoping to contribute? Uh, we live in a bit of a... The Western world is, is somewhat of a, a me-focused, you know, what do I get out of it? Um, and I guess in part, uh, yeah, what do you hope to gain? But what are you hoping to contribute? What are you, what are you bringing to the altar? What are you bringing and then what is important about being part of the church for you? What's important about being part of the church for you? Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So he will do it. And guess what? Not even COVID can stop him. In fact, I wonder, I wonder if COVID hasn't been a wake-up call. There's no way that I would say that God foistered COVID on us. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to say that. But the cross is a supreme example of God taking something that is supremely evil and taking and making good out of it, okay? So, so the question that I ask myself is, what, what is God teaching us through this pandemic? What is God, what is he calling us to reflect on and think about, and, and what changes might he be uh, nudging us toward? So, what's important uh, about being part of the church for you? So those are some good questions to reflect on this week. Uh, next Sunday we'll continue to talk about the church and we'll continue to wrestle with what does it mean to be the church um, in the place that God has placed us. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, so much for not only redeeming us, but uh, actually giving us that amazing privilege, that responsibility 
of being your hands and feet in the world. You want to use us um, to reach others. And I guess we'd have to say that uh, the incarnation is God taking on flesh to walk amongst us and to represent God to us. And in many ways, you've asked us to, in a, to a lesser degree, to incarnate the gospel to those around us as well. That, that model holds true. And so I have to ask myself, how uh, well am I doing at being Christ to those around me? So, Father, um, by your Holy Spirit, equip us this week, encourage us, move us, uh, so that we can continue to be the church and bring honor and glory to you in that. We ask this in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Ernie, as you were talking, I was reminded of a, a quote from, uh, I think it's from Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, hmm. where he talks about... Um, uh, he talks about lukewarm Christians, and he uh, he kind of defines what a lukewarm Christian is. And then the next chapter, he starts off, and he said, "This is the hardest thing that I have I have ever had to say." But he said, "There is no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. It's actually not something that exists. Um, either we are choosing to be sold out completely for Christ, or we are not." And um, and for me, I remember reading that and just kind of being like walloped over the head um, that actually, and it's the same thing for us as we, as we interact with the idea of being the church together. Um, either we are part of the work of the local and greater church or, and it really caught my attention when you said you can, you can go to church but not be part of the church. And I think for me, that's, that's something that I would you know, as a, you said, as a pastor, how do we, how do we encourage uh, our congregation to be, to be the church? Um, for me, that's that's that connecting point. That um, how does how can we motivate each other to be to be that active, involved part of the church? And that doesn't mean that everybody's involved in programming right, or involved in running some kind of a program, but where everyone has bought into that same mentality of we together are choosing to lift high the name of Christ. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you have... Yeah, I, you know, I've been thinking about it. Um, I think sometimes we, we look enviously at churches that have lots of numbers or they have all the bells and whistles and everything else, and we think, man, if we were there, what wouldn't we be able to do? Uh, and, and yet Jesus chose 12 and they turned the world upside down. Um, and, and one last comment to think about. Recently, yeah, it took, it took an incident which was like the straw breaking the camel's back. But all of us saw the, the marches, the demonstrations for Black Lives Matter. And what I want to point to is that there are a lot of people that got on board with a cause that they believed in so significantly that they were willing to be involved. So, so it, it, it's, it's, it's not about copying somebody else or, or getting some slick program or, or, or becoming Saddleback or Willow Creek or whatever. It's about recognizing, again, coming back to what Jen shared, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, hearing Jesus' voice and saying, we're on the same page and, and we are willing to 
make this happen together. And that's powerful. That's also terribly attractive because everybody wants to be a part of something that's worth being part of. And there's nothing greater than being part of the church when we are the church the way he wants us to be. A couple of years ago, I was wrestling with uh, song lyrics of a, a song, and I, I think I maybe have sung it once, and I've, I've come back, and I'm not sure if the song itself is very good, but there was a picture of, of that, that I wanted to convey, and it was like, um, uh, I think the words were, come to the water of life, let us bait, uh, wade in deep and be satisfied, let's lift our feet and be carried away, be swept away by the current. Um, I think so often when it comes to church, we try very hard to put our feet down and to control how the church is going to go. And I think one of the things that God is asking of us is to wade deep into the water to the point where our feet can't touch. And there's times where that is extremely uncomfortable. And then to allow God to carry us in the direction that he is is leading us as a congregation, that we would all be in there together and to be able to move together in that same direction. Thanks, Ernie, for your message this morning.